0: Revelation chapter 12, I've entitled The Woman, the Child, and the Dragon. Lord, as we open your word this morning, I pray, um, as we see the hour is late, and we want to be um, equipped uh, to know exactly from your perspective, from a biblical perspective, um, what is about to take place. As I look at Revelation chapter 12, we pretty much have the complete history from the very beginning until the very end. And I guess if there's one chapter in the Bible we could take out that would best describe the entire scriptures, it would probably have to be Revelation chapter 12. So we pray for um, the study this morning and that we would have a clear understanding of what has been laid out, what is going to happen, and uh, where we fit into this equation. In Jesus' name I pray. And again, all God's people said? Okay, let's get into, um, uh, Paul read the whole chapter. I'm just gonna go through it verse by verse. And basically we have, on one study, we were in Zechariah chapter 12. Well, today we're in Revelation chapter 12. And as we'll see, the amazing way these chapters fit together, especially when we get to Zechariah chapter 13. Um, There is symbolism uh, in the book of Revelation. And the first three characters in chapter 12, verses one through six, they are symbolic. Um, We have the woman, the man-child, and the fiery red dragon. And I'm going to go through them one at a time. Um, The symbolism here for the woman as we look at verse 1, it says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out with labor and pain to give birth. The woman that's being made reference to here is the nation of Israel. Now, um, there are Protestant churches, primarily Roman Catholicism, who believes that this woman with the 12 stars and the moon under her feet is the church. So, we were in Rome on one of our side trips, well, 20 years ago, something like that. And I remember walking down this wide corridor. It had to be from wall to wall. And it was just a huge corridor. And what I'm going to put on the screen right now is something that is in Rome. And it is a woman with 12 stars and a moon underneath her feet. They are making a statement I would compare it to when you go to St. Peter's Basilica. Outside of it, they have uh, uh, an image of Peter. And uh, he's holding the keys. They take that from Matthew chapter 16. And to you, Peter, I will give the keys to the kingdom. And officially making him the first pope. And um, of course, that's not biblical. That's not what was implied. That's not what was meant. But here... Um, they truly believe that the church is what we have in view even, they don't, even though they don't hold to or teach through the book of Revelation. They take this scripture right here and um, they've made Mary. Why? Because Mary actually did bring forth Jesus. She was um, the mother of our Lord. But As we get through this chapter today, I'm gonna show you why that's impossible because we're gonna have this woman being supernaturally protected for the last three and a half years of the tribulation and the church is already gone in Revelation chapter four. It cannot be the church but let me show you why I know that it's Israel. Let's go back to um, Genesis chapter 37 Genesis 37 from 37 to 50 we have the life of Joseph over 110 times he's a type of Jesus Christ he was hated by his brothers because he was dad's favorite Joseph with the coat of many colors right? and as a result his brothers hated him And he's always having these dreams. And we find in chapter 37, oh, let's pick it up in verse five. Um, Now Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. And so he said to them, please hear this dream which I dreamed. Uh, They were binding sheaves in the field then behold, my sheave arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers. That He said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to me. Now, how many suns were there um, that make up the 12 tribes of Israel? That's what we have in view here. And the, but the sun and the moon Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his fathers rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I, now the mother would be a reference to the moon, and your brothers indeed come and bow down to you before you on the earth? Well, what was the life of Joseph? What happened to him? Well, um, he was thrown into the pit. They wanted to kill him. One of the brothers intervened, said, "No, no, no! Let's let's throw him in a pit. Let's sell him as a slave." You know the story. He ended up at Potiphar's house and accused of uh, raping Potiphar's wife. Ends up in jail. Has a dream in jail about these two guys. One's a baker. One's a white steward for the pharaoh. And he says, "Hey, I had, a, I had a dream about you guys last night." And I said, what, "What was it?" And to cut to the quick, he said, "Well, both of them pertain to three days. In three days, a cupbearer, you're going to be restored, and you're going to have your old job back with the pharaoh. Well, the baker, liked that, he says, "What about me?" He says, "Well, in three days, the birds are going to pick your head, and you're going to be dead." Both came true, exactly. And then, of course, when he became Pharaoh, he had another dream. So he's having all these dreams that actually saved Egypt because of the dreams that he was having. Well, there was a famine, and everybody was going to Egypt because that's the only place that had food. Because of Joseph's dream, he stored away for seven years all his food. Now people had to come to him. But now he's the second most powerful man in all the world next to Pharaoh. And what happens? Well, he looks like an Egyptian now. Doesn't look like a Hebrew. But all of a sudden, there are his loving brothers. And what happens? They come in and they bow down before him. So why do I say that the woman is Israel? Because this is where this comes from. These 11 stars are called stars here. And, um, and the moon. All right, I'll quote. Let's go back to uh, Revelation. And while you're going there, I'm gonna quote Galatians 4 verse... Um, Galatians 4. I'm looking at, if you're taking notes, verses 4 and 5. Another reason that the woman in verse one and two, is not the church. In verse four, it says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, but the next part's important, born under the law. He was born under the law. We're talking Jewishness here. To redeem those who were under the law that they might receive the adoption of sons. We can't have this being the church even though many hold two verses one and two as being um, the church. It's not. We have in view here Israel. All right. Let's move on to verses three and four. And another sight appeared in heaven and behold a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and 10 horns. Now what was interesting about her presentation um, was she was wrong about one thing that I would point out. She says we're in the process of right now these um, uh, megacities to divide them up in the world into 11 different sections. She doesn't know that the Bible says it's 10, okay? But I found it very, very interesting that she, got, she was in one without having any Bible knowledge whatsoever. That's their agenda for having these um, 10 kings, but one king over all of them. And again, we'll get to that next week when we're in Revelation chapter 13. Now, verse three, another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, the great fiery red Red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. He, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Well, we have here when the rebellion took place Lucifer was able to persuade. We know that there's tens of millions and millions of angels. Good place for it, amen? amen? Can you imagine a third of them? One third of that number rebelled with Lucifer. And we have them being brought down, but at the same time, um, when you read the book of Job, where, where is Lucifer in that book? Well, he's in heaven. Uh, Where's Lucifer um, when he's asking for Peter so he can sift him and destroy him? Well, he's on the earth. What does that tell us? Well, it gets complicated here. I'll tell you why. We live in time, space, and matter, okay? We go through time. As soon as you enter eternity, that's a whole other dimension, So there's no way I can even try to explain what eternity is because it's in the ever-present now. That's why the Lord said, I am that I am. I'm the all-becoming one. He's always been, and he always will be. So you explained to me uh, how much time when Peter went to heaven and saw it and described it, how much time was he there for? He couldn't say. All he could say was this. I don't know if it was in the spirit or in the flesh. God knows. I don't know. Because it was something that I just can't explain. But he didn't talk about what he saw. He talked about what he heard. Now, for those of you who love music, that should get your interest. (laughs) I think the music in heaven is going to be something. And so as we look at these two verses here, it simply were, um, I've said this before, that this is symbol, symbolic, and if it's not explained to us in the Old Testament, in this particular case here, like in Revelation chapter one, and the seven stars in his right hand, and the seven candlestick symbolism, but he explains it, are you with me? In the same chapter, what they mean. Same here, go down to verse nine. Who is the fiery red dragon? So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Let me just stop there. Is it possible to deceive the whole world? Gang, we're living in it. Now, let me not minimize what I just said. This is a real virus. But it's not what it's being made out to be. And one of the points that caught my interest the most in this is the psychological effect it's having on people. That they're actually being forced to stay in their house, mandated, Um, businesses are going under like crazy. I know people at our fellowship that don't have money for their mortgage next month. And it's only, as far as I can see, get get worse from there. So everything has been put on fast track so to speak, uh, with what's going on here. But as far as the symbolism of who the fiery red dragon is, verse nine says, it's the devil, Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Boy, I wish we could Is uh, instant replay on that one in heaven. Um, but I'll come, I'll come back to that. And verse 4, it said, as soon as a child was born, um, the dragon was there to devour her child as soon as a child was born. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. There was a decree made that the world was going to be taxed and people had to go back to their hometown to pay their tax. Mary was very pregnant. Joseph was from Bethlehem. So you know the story. They make their journey down there. There wasn't any room in the inn. And um, we find, of course, uh, the visiting of, of the wise men. And as a result, they want to know Where is he who's born king of the Jews? That had to set Herod back a little bit. He was a king of the Jews as far as he was concerned. The thing is, they knew the answer because of Bible prophecy. Um, In verse six, it says, But you Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are you not the least among the rulers of Judah? For out of you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. And they go back out and they see the star and it's right over the city of Bethlehem. And so they go there, and they worshiped. An angel appears to the wise men. Um, We say there's three. That's only implied. There could have been much more. I mean, when these guys came into Jerusalem, the whole city was freaking out because it was quite the entourage that was coming in. And so we infer that there was three because of the gifts that were given And they were warned, don't go back to Herod. You guys go back a different way. Herod finds out about it, and he is ticked off. And then in verse 16, let's pick it up there through 18. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem, and in all the districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Now, this was fulfilled that was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they were no more back to Revelation chapter 12. We read that as soon as a child is born, that the fiery red dragon is right there ready to devour the male child. It is simply a reference to Matthew chapter two. Um, I believe Herod was demonically inspired uh, because the goal was they were to go to Egypt and stay there until Herod dies. Because why? They were looking to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's pick it up in verse five. And she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. I mentioned earlier that this could be an overview of the entire Bible. Well, what we have in verse two is is the birth of Jesus okay 33 years later um, we have it says that in verse 5 that he was caught up to God and to his throne and he's going to rule all nations and we have this gap of 33 years no information we have his birth and then we have when he's taken into heaven now I want to turn to this because we're going to be in it uh, in two places in a couple of weeks we're going to be in Zechariah chapter 14. Right now I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 1. And again as we do this, the way the Holy Spirit has brought the Old and the New Testament together is just astounding to me. So here we're told in Revelation 12, 5 that he's going to be caught up into heaven. Verse 2 The place of his birth, Bethlehem. Verse um, 9, the Lord is actually on the Mount of Olives. So, we read in chapter 1, verse 9 Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by in white apparel, angels, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So we have, we have it being described to us in Revelation chapter 12. He's going to be caught up to God and to his throne. And that's what Acts chapter 1 is all about. Another reason, uh, if we look at verse 6 now, we read, Then the woman fled into the wilderness where was she She has a place prepared by God that she should feed her there for 1,260 days. All right, how long is that? Three and a half years. What part of the seven-year period of, of the three and a half years are we talking about here? The second half. We're at the midway point. So now we're being told that whoever the woman is, it can't be the church, because God's gonna supernaturally protect his people that Satan has been trying to destroy since the Garden of Eden. I could, we could go through the Book of Esther, Ahasuerus, makes a decree, all Jews must die. That's what the Book of Esther is all about. And uh, then we could talk about bringing it up to modern times. What do we read? Adolf Hitler. What was his decree? The Jews must die. And um, you know that he could have actually defeated the Russians on the Russian front? The trains that were being used, if he could have got there earlier before the winter set in, we get this information when we visit either Yad Vasham in Israel or Auschwitz itself, it tells this story. If he took those cart trades and instead of putting Jews in them to take him to Auschwitz and Birkenau and these other places and he would have used them to put soldiers and taken them to the front line in the Russian front, everything could have changed. But there was something that he desired more than defeating Russia and that was a complete annihilation of the Jewish people. And my friends, it is on the rise again. And uh, if you don't see it, you're not watching the news. <laughs> and so what we have here in verse six, the woman has to be Israel because God's gonna take her, it says, into the wilderness. Now let me rem- remind you what Jesus said in Matthew 24 talking about this very event. It's called the abomination of desolation. He says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. In other words, guys, you need to have a really good understanding of the book of Daniel. Good place for an amen. Then what? He says, then flee, run. Here we're told that they have a place prepared for them because the woman is fleeing. Who is a woman fleeing from? The Antichrist. And um, they have a special place there that she's going to be taken care of for the next three and one half years. I'm going to take you to that place. and I'm, It uh, tells us not here, but it does tell us in Isaiah chapter 16 where this place is. So turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Chapter 16. And we'll just read the first four verses here. And while I'm doing that, guys, you can put um, number one of a series of five or six pictures of the city that's called Petra. I've been to Petra, oh, three or four times. Oh, Indiana Jones. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to show you the next picture right away because there's a very narrow causeway. You see how narrow that is? That's why this city um, was unable to ever be defeated. it's, there's every building in this place that we call Petra is carved out of stone. And as I remember going in the first time, this is the first thing that you see, but then it broadens out and you get to see... um, Uh, the the most famous of of these uh, there. If you're in Isaiah chapter 16, um, it tells us, verse one, send the lamb to the ruler of the land from Selah to the wilderness. Now Selah is another word for Petra. Uh, To the mount of the daughter of Zion, for it shall be as a wandering bird thrown out of the nest. That's another way of saying when Jesus said, when you see the abomination, run, flee, like a bird getting thrown out of the nest. So shall be the daughters of Moab at the fords of the Erdogan. Um, Jordan, modern day Jordan, is where Petra is located. Take counsel, execute judgment, Make your shadow like the night in the middle of the day. Hide the outcast. Who are the outcast? These are the ones when Jesus says, when you see it happen, flee. Isaiah is the one that tells us where they flee to. Do not betray him who escapes. Let my outcast dwell with you, O Moab, or Jordan. That's what it is today. And be a shelter for them from the face of the spoiler. Do you know that uh, another name for the antichrist is the spoiler? For the extortioner is at an end, devastation ceases, the oppressors are consumed out of the land. Um, I'm gonna take you on a real quick journey to Petra. So I'll explain it as we go through. I have the next slide please. I want you to see the magnitude of this can only be explained if you're looking at the door. Do you see the two people standing on the bottom? Can you see them? That puts it in perspective, just the the magnitude of this city. When people think of Petra, they just think of this one building from Indiana Jones. (laughs) And believe me, it's not. Next picture, please. This is the amphitheater. I've given quite a few Bible studies in that amphitheater. So when we go to a spot, our routine is somebody gives their testimony, then we'll have a Bible study, and then we just walk around this place. We did have time to walk through the whole city, but uh, this is one of the areas, amphitheater in Petra. By the way, that's the only way in, that corridor that I showed you at the beginning. Next slide, please. These are the people that would make their homes. They would carve them out of the solid stone in the mountain. Next picture, please. And again, um, uh, the reason uh, it was eventually conquered, but many, many years later, um, I think this might be the last one, but I just want to show you the grandeur of uh, this place called Petra. In Revelation 14, it tells us that during one of the battles, that the blood is going to come up to the horse's bridle for sixteen hundred furlongs now sixteen hundred furlongs is exactly one hundred and eighty four miles we when we visit um, israel we remember we're at Mount Carmel last week and I'll show you that stream well this week I'll take you to the next stop that we go to it's called Megiddo and it's where we get the term and we'll be talking about it uh, next week as a matter of fact the battle of Armageddon. Now here's what's interesting I'm going to put something up on the screen and I'm going to show you the distance from Megiddo to Petra and this is what it looks like. It's exactly 1,600 furlongs, 184 miles. We refer to this as um, the battle that will take place, and it's to the mile, okay? Probably just a coincidence. (laughs) But think it through. Here's Here's the thing, gang. The deeper you get into, and you can't exclude... And say, well, it's too complicated for young people to understand the Old Testament. No, just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And eventually, you're gonna run across treasures like this you go, oh, man, what are the chances of that happening? And and then to see how it dovetails into um, this verse, if you're taking notes, Revelation 14, verse 20. It talks about the 1,600 furloughs. And my cross-reference says 184 miles and it's the exact mileage between uh, Megiddo and Petra. Now, in this war, and we're closer to ending up than you think because I only have missed my last page of notes. I'm going to, uh, um, oh, what the heck. You can turn with me. Go, go to Daniel chapter 12. While you're turning there, I'm going to read verses 7-7 through 12 of Revelation we're switching now uh, to the war in heaven verse 7 and war broke out in heaven Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought but they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer so the great dragon was cast out that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come for the accuser of the brethren. This is one of the titles of our adversary. He's called the extortioner, back where we read earlier, but he has different names that have been given to him, the devil, the fiery red dragon, so on and so forth. But you need to know this. And um, maybe for some of you that have a tendency after you've sinned and you've taken it to the Lord, and you know 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you from all your sins and to collect... uh, forgive you from all your sins and to cleanse you, period. And we read it and we go, sounds good, but I just don't feel like it. I feel more like Paul in in Romans 7. The things I shouldn't do, I do. The things I I shouldn't do, I do, and the things I should do, I don't. And I identify more with the verse after that which says, Oh, wretched man that I am. Well, who do you think is going to prime that pump? the accuser of the brethren. You call yourself a Christian? How many times have you ever repented that sin? That's why they call them the accuser of the brethren. How much does he do it? Accuses them day and night, all the time, to try to bring you down. If you wanna take one verse home with you as a verse of encouragement, Paul admitting his own flesh, in me dwells no good thing, um, my heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who could know it? I wish Joel Olson would give a Bible study on that sometime. <laughs> but I just don't think, I don't think it's going to happen, you know. <laughs> but if you're going to be true to the scriptures, you have to understand, you just don't, when I thought about this yesterday, when I was thinking about when the enemy went after Peter, he wanted to sift him. And I started thinking to myself, how's he going to do that? I mean, is he going to mess with his head? Is he just going to be in his face all day long, pointing and accusing? It doesn't really tell us. And um, the only thing the Lord says is, I prayed for you, Peter. Didn't say, don't worry about it. I can take care of Satan anytime I want to. No, he said that your faith will not fail. And Romans 8, verse 1, after he admits what a wretch he is, he says, because of what Jesus Christ has done, therefore there is no condemnation can I repeat that it didn't say there is some condemnation did it it says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus gang if you let this rule your emotion you're going to be heaped up with condemnation we walk by faith and not by sight and so if my Bible says there's no condemnation because of what Jesus Christ did for me then you're free And this is what it means when it says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Don't let this deceitful heart above all things dictate, but you let the word of God, and you stand upon that whether you feel like it or not. Good place for an amen? Good place for an amen. But here in chapter 12, he's accusing you and I, even as we speak right now. um, Where? To the Father fortunately we have a great defense attorney and uh, the son sends to the father hold it one minute you see I purchased this one I paid the price penalty has to be paid but I'm the one who paid it. leave him alone case over you're dismissed and you're free and that's what it means by you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free alright now And they were overcome, verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of the testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you with great wrath, because he knows he has a short time. Now, how much time does he have left? three and one half years. How do I know that? Well, I know that because of Daniel chapter 12. And in Daniel chapter 12, we read verse one, at that time Michael shall stand up, that great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there will be a time of trouble, such as, Never since there was a nation, nor even till this time. This is what Jesus referred to in Matthew 24. And then he says, and we're getting ready now to enter into the bold judgments and the battle of Armageddon, and we'll be there next week. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting Uh, shame, and those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Where we get this from? and go back to it. We'll begin to wind us up here. Michael and his angels fought against the devil and his angels, and we outnumbered them two to one, or one twice as many. And we're we're told here that um, uh, Michael will come out and drive Satan out the second time um, because he's a prince over Israel. There will be a fierce struggle, a war. Satan is not going to retire easily, but Michael and his angels will prevail and Satan and his angels will be thrown out of heaven. When does this take place? At the beginning of the last half of the great tribulation period. Let's finish our chapter. Verses 13 through seven, just 13 and 14 for right now. And when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the child. Again, the woman is Israel, and uh, now that he's on earth, who does he go after? Well, the same one Hitler did after the Jews. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place. Where is her place? Isaiah 16, Selah. Where she is nourished for a time and times and half a times. There were times when I was visiting Petra that Christian businessmen were stashing all these houses with Non-perishable food items, literally, because they were taking this verse literally. And um, from the presence of the serpent, verse um, verse fifteen. So the serpent spewed out mouth like a flood after the woman. And I wondered about that. You know, what are we talking? Little, little water here, or what? What is meaning? An immense prayer where we were going through chronicles and the way they were talking about this army that was sent out, they used the word flood instead of army and the lights went on for me. So I've come to more believe that what we have here in view is more symbolism and that he sends his army out after Israel that is on the run. And so verse 15, the serpent spewed out water like a, after the woman that might cause her to be carried away by the flood, but the earth helped the woman, and each opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. OK, he can't get him. basically what's going to be said here. And the last verse, and the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. A remnant is gonna be supernaturally protected. And um, I have to admit this is a difficult closing. I'm gonna try to end it somewhat on a positive note. But um, I'm gonna ask you to turn to Zechariah. We were in chapter 12. On Wednesday, I want you to turn to chapter 13. I did read the verses above it on Wednesday, but I'm going to read through it a little bit more here. And it's hard for me to read it because I know it's going to happen. So let's pick it up with what you'll remember from Wednesday night study, verse 7. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against my, the companion who is my companions. Says the Lord of hosts, strike the shepherd and he will scatter and then I will turn my hands against the little ones. Verse six, and someone will say to him, what are these wounds that are in your hands? These are the Jewish people that actually see um, the Lord when he comes back. And he will answer those in which I received in the house of my friends. Now the hard verses to read. And it came to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds it shall be cut off and die, but one-third will be left in it. And I will bring the one-third through the fire. Let me just stop and explain the, the purpose of what we call Daniel's 70th week. God owes Israel seven years. Good place for it, amen? Right now the clock has stopped, right? And um, it says blindness has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. What does that mean? That means there's a set number of people that God knows is going to be saved. And when that person gives his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are out of here and the clock begins to tick, and God keeps his promise to Israel for that last seven year period of time. If you're that person that's fighting with the Lord and you're not saved, you better get your act together or I'm on you, all right? I wanna go home, (laughs) but you can be glad I'm not the Lord because he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. Don't you, don't you know he's just gonna wait until it just can't go anymore? That's the way he is. It's not the way I am, but that's the way he is. So, to read these verses, we're talking about two-thirds of the Jewish people not making it. And one-third is gonna go through the fire. Now, as they're going through the fire, these are people who have not believed in Jesus Christ. If you go back to chapter 12 where we were at last week, when he does come back, when he does return after the Battle of Armageddon, it tells us in verses 10 through 14 that it had such an emotional impact that the one that they had killed was actually their Messiah. And they, unless you're Jewish, you just can't really digest the morning. what begins to settle in. And so we read here that everybody wants to be alone. From verses 10 to 14, it talks about the different families. Um, the house of David, they're going to weep by they, themselves. The house of Nathan, they want to get alone. The wives want to be by themselves, the, verse 13. The house of Levi, the house of Shimei, all the families that remain, they want to be alone because they can't believe that they had turned down the one that they had been waiting for all this time. And so I thought that's a pretty way to end a study and um, is there anything we can do not to lighten it up but to maybe not leave it quite so heavy? So the Lord gave me Hosea. So turn to the book of Hosea. Hosea is going to be, if you're in Zechariah, go back through Haggai, Zephaniah, Nam, Micah, and you're gonna end up in Hosea. And we're just gonna read three verses here as we close. The third shall be left therein refers to the remnant. And uh, they will go through this purifying process why is God protecting us here in Petra? Why can't they get to us? Um, the last thing that he said to Israel, he said, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They haven't done that yet. Well, there's people that are getting saved, but we got a whole third of a remnant that are taking through the fire. That's another way of saying the great tribulation. How many of you had to go through the fire before you woke up? How many of you had to go through real real burners and then thinking, maybe this is true. Maybe Jesus Christ is the only way. If you're in Hosea chapter five, there should not be a break, in my opinion, between verse 15 of chapter five and verse one and two of chapter six. Verse 15, I will return again to my place. The Lord Jesus is saying that. In order to return to a place, what does it mean? You had to come to this place in the first place. All right, until, I'm gonna go back, that's Acts chapter one, verse nine, I'm gonna go back to my place, back to heaven, until they acknowledge their offense. This is an important verse, or it might use the word sin. Either way, it's singular and not plural. I'm going to go away until they acknowledge one single offense. What was the greatest offense? That when Jesus came, according to Luke 19, he came into his, John one eleven. He came into his own, and his own received him not. He said, I've come to the lost house of the sheep of Israel, but you, you wouldn't hear. He turned away. And then the, as he turns and now um, leaves, he says, you're not gonna see me again until you acknowledge your singular offense. And that is, they didn't recognize their own Messiah when he came. But then what? Then they will seek my face in their affliction, they will diligently seek me. Well, where are they getting afflicted? And uh, when, when, why does that cause them to seek him? My friends, I can't describe the horrific tragedy of the great tribulation period, especially this last three and a half years, as well as we're going to see next week. In other words, they're so afflicted. Then, in chapter six, verse one. They do exactly what Jesus said until you say. So let's read it, verse one, and we'll close with this this morning. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn, but he'll heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he'll revive us. Why use two days? Remember Peter said one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. It's both the same to him. Again, this whole time continuum thing. So if it's only been two days, how long has it been since Jesus was in Jerusalem? It's been 2,000 years. So after two days, after two days, he's gonna revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we might live in his sight. Well, after the 2,000 years, and if it's as late as I think it is, the next event is the rapture of the church, and the seven-year tribulation, and what's a, 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 if a day is a thousand years? How long is a millennium for? A thousand years. Isn't that an interesting coincidence? But what they're saying there, and what happens is, okay, we get it. They're broken. They're torn, and they say, "Lord, please come." We'll call upon the Lord, and He'll heal us. And as soon as the Lord hears that prayer. He comes back. And he comes back when we get back to Zechariah. Where does he come back to? Petra. So that's coming up. I encourage you guys to come on on Wednesday night because if you're not or watching it live stream, you're missing a lot of the connecting dots on Sunday morning. Amen? Going to make it home okay for lunch, you think? All right, let's stand and we'll pray. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. As we close, I want to pray for these people that we watched earlier. They know there's going to be this attempt for a one world government, but what good is head knowledge if they don't have a heart knowledge of you? So I, I pray for them and everybody in that camp that has this political understanding of a new world order and globalism. and But we're grateful, Lord, that we know you And you have given us your perspective on all this. You've told us to watch. Now we know what to watch for. You told us to be ready. Lord, help us be those five wise virgins that have oil in their lamp, that are waiting and looking and watching for you to come and take your bride home. In Jesus' name, amen.